0: Hey, before we get started, just a little bit about me here. Uh, My name is Chan Choi. For some of you that don't know me, uh, I'm a member of a Gospel Grace Church, like many of you in this room. Um, I'm very thankful for this opportunity to wrestle through this topic on friendship, as this topic has been a dear topic of mine for many years up to this point. Um, Just a little bit of uh, history. Uh, A few years back, I actually lost a couple of my friends, um, and that led me to really wrestle through um, what it means to have friends and be good friends uh, to, to others. And so one of on the key verses is Psalm ninety twelve, which tells us to teach us to number our days so that we may gain the heart of wisdom. And this is a passage that I like to quote on my birthdays or my friends' birthdays to really understand there's a brevity of life that we're all faced with. So what are we investing our life into? And a friendship happened to be one of them for me. And also to learn how to become a better friend to others with the given time that I have on this earth. So with that in mind, we'll continue to journey together for the next seven weeks here uh, to learn what it means to pursue biblical friendship and what it means to be a good friend to others. And hopefully this class will be used by God to spur and stoke a lot of fire for a lot of friendship that's going to be happening in this church. So last week in session one, Luke helped us understand what is biblical friendship and then why we need uh, biblical friendship. And I think uh, he quoted really helpful um, quote from Tim Keller where it says, biblical friendship is the deep oneness that develops as two people journey together the same destination and helping one another through dangers and challenges along the way. I really like this quote because it highlights the journey aspect of it. So no matter where you're at in the spectrum of pursuing friendship, whether you have a lot of good friends or you have no friends, it's an aspect that we're, we know that's going to be a lifelong journey as we pursue what it means to have biblical friendship in our lives. Also, another aspect that I really like about this quote is it talks about there's dangers and challenges, okay, which means it alludes to that the biblical friendships don't come, doesn't come easily, right? There's, there's challenges associated to that. So any friendship that we do form in this fallen world, we will face frequent and various oppositions, okay? So to illustrate this point a little bit better, um, I'll use a climbing analogy since I'm a climber. Any climbers in this room here? Okay. When you set out to climb a route, right, what do we do? Right? We don't just go and climb. Right? We look at the route, whether through a Mount project app or a guidebook to understand where the crux is, right? where, like, where the difficult section to climb is. And then we prepare like, how we're gonna climb it, what gears to bring, how long of a rope we need. Right? And then once we get to the top, how are we going to descend down safely, right? Those are all the things that we think through. There's a watch out, right? So that's what we're going to do in this session is as we journey through, uh, we're going to be talking about the watch outs along the way uh, so that we know what to expect. And so by no means, it's not, not an exhaustive list, but with the limited time that we have and the weeks here and the time in per session, here are three main watch outs I think will be helpful for us to wrestle through in uh, biblical friendship here. So the first watch out in your handout is low view of friendship. Low view of friendship. This is where, for some of you, uh, you may have some sense of like, yeah, friendship is important, uh, but really, I really don't have time for this. Like, I have, I'm busy with other things, right? Really, the, if we're honest with ourselves, right, really, the, we make time for the things that are important to us, right? So I, I may not know some of you, but if you're to give me your bank account, like a bank statement from last month, or if you're to give me um, your calendar or your schedule from last month, I probably have a good sense of idea of what, are you, what you're valuing, right? What you're treasuring, what you're pursuing. So we wanna make time from friendship, and we're gonna see through that um, here. So to better understand the proper view of friendship, right? What's the, the right view of friendship? We're going to survey briefly on what church fathers have thought about friendship in the past, since we have a 2,000 years of rich legacy, church history here. And also we're going to briefly examine what the Old Testament said about friendship and also the New Testament uh, that said about friendship. So start out, church father Augustine said this about friendship. He said, two things are essential in this world, life and friendship. Both must be prized highly and not undervalued. That's a pretty bold statement. Life and friendship go hand in hand is what he's arguing. Let's continue to look at John Calvin. Um, he, this is what he wrote about his two friends, Farfo and Vera, in his preface to a commentary on Titus. Okay? And this is what he said about his two friends. He says, I don't believe that there have been, ever been such a friends who have lived together in such a deep friendship in their everyday style of life in this world as we have in our ministry. I have served here in the office of pastor with you two there was never any appearance of envy. And it seems to me that you two and I were as one person. And we have shown through visible witness and good authority before men, that we have among us no other understanding of friendship than that which has been dedicated to the name of Christ. Do you see how there's same common destination that they were pursuing together for the dedication of the name of Christ? And there's that unity that he's alluding to. What about Esther Edwards Burr? She was actually the daughter of Jonathan Edwards. Some of you may know the American theologian Jonathan Edwards, and she was also the mother of a third US Vice President, Aaron Burr. And this is what she said about friendship. Nothing is more refreshing to the soul except communication with God himself than the company and society of friends. It is a great mercy that we have any friends. What would this world be without them, right? She's alluding that it's actually a gift from the Lord. Right? It's by his mercy that we actually have friends. What about um, Charles Spurgeon? Okay. He said, Friendship seems as necessary an element of a comfortable existence in this world as a fire or water or even air itself. A man may drag along a miserable existence in proud, solitary dignity, but his life is scarce. It is nothing but an existence. So Spurgeon is also communicating... Friendship is very important, almost equating to life itself. This is what C.S. Lewis talked about friendship. To the ancients, friendship seemed the happiest and most fully human of all loves, the crown of life, and the school of virtue. And the modern world, in comparison, ignores it. So to sum it up, C.S. Lewis is arguing, if we look at the uh, ancient world and in the past, many, many have actually considered friendship to be very important. But as we come toward the modern uh, world, we are actually uh, regarding it as less important in that. So you can see kind of the echo of the high view of friendship from all the saints of the old. And I wonder if some of you in this room may de- need to think differently about the place of friendship in your own life. And I think having the right view of things is very important. Uh, and there's a phrase where orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. It's just a fancy way of saying the right doctrine or right belief actually leads to right living. So once you have a right understanding of certain things, your life will actually reflect that. So that's why I think having the right view is very important. What about the Bible, right? Bible highlights the two central ideas uh, uh, that involves friendship, and it highlights the mutual love, and then also highlights the knitting of the souls together. So in the Old Testament. The first earliest mention of this idea is found in Deuteronomy 13.6, where it says, friend, which is your own soul. And then this idea gets more developed in 1 Samuel 18 regarding David and Jonathan, right? And which reads, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. You can see there's just intermingling of these two souls, right? There's a close bond that these two men are uh, experiencing. It's not just David and Jonathan, too. We see that in uh, a relationship with, between Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi as well, right? There's this sacrificial, selfless relationship that's, that's, that's pursued. What about in New Testament? I think we see a similar example between Apostle Paul and also his uh, a mentee Timothy, right? This is what F.F. F. Bruce, the Bible scholar, said about this relationship between Paul and Timothy. He said... Timothy readily surrendered whatever personal ambitions he might have cherished in order to play the part of a son to Paul and helped him in his missionary activity, showing a selfless concern for others that matched the apostles' eagerness to spend and be spent for them. So he's stating this. Where, where is he getting this from, right? If you read Philippians 2, this is what um, Paul wrote of Timothy, right? This is like his personal account. Uh, about Timothy. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. Do you see this like tight connection like Paul has deemed Timothy to be very unique in, in the friendship with him. I uh, just treasured him. And then they're journeying together for the common goal of serving for the gospel as well. Also, I don't know if you noticed, um, biblical friendship surpasses the stages of life. Oftentimes we like to say, like, I want to be friends with these people because they're in the similar stage of life as me. Right? That may be true and that might be helpful, but you can see how Paul was well advanced in his years, yet he was able to have this deep friendship with younger Timothy. He's a young buck at this time, right? At the time it was written. Further, this is what um, Timothy wrote, uh, or Paul wrote about Timothy in 2 Timothy as well. And it says, to Timothy, my beloved child, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. As you know, Paul is in prison at this point, and he's just expressing like, I just long to be with you, this face-to-face interactions. Right? and you can see the sense that their souls are knitted together, just again indicating a deep connection between these two. And also uh, you can see how both mutually they brought this life-giving aspect in their friendship, right? And so I wonder if, um, you know, as you're going through this class, you may be wondering, hmm, I, don't, I wonder if I actually have friends like that that actually give life, you know, in, in, into this relationship. Or I think better question to ask is... Would your friends say that you bring this type of life-giving joy to their lives, right? And lastly, I think Joel Beek sums up well why friendship is important, right? He said, uh, friendship, friendship is one of the primary means that God uses to strengthen his people. If our generational believer gives little stock to this marvelous vehicle of divine grace, we'll be the poorer for it. Okay, so he's arguing this is a mean, friendship is God's means of grace towards us so that we can actually grow in him. So friends are there for us to actually mature in Christ, right? So really, really the, the key takeaway here is the friends, friend, friendship um, is needed um, because we are needed and we are needing. And that's kind of Ed Welch puts it in his uh, book called Side by Side. And we need each other to grow in our Christian life. So a little bit of personal example for me. You know, as the, over the years, as I sought out for a biblical friendship, there's a lot, there has been a lot of ups and downs, right? Um, but I think my friends have really helped me to experience this mutual love and then my souls being knitted together with their souls as God intended to be. So, for, for example, a like, few of my friends have um, helped me to understand what it means to love on brothers that who may struggle with uh, various mental illness. Um, and depression and suicidal thoughts. It's it's a realm that I'm not familiar with. It's not a realm that I struggle with. But because of my friendship with them, it helped me to understand where they're at and I can uh, be alongside to them and minister to them and just be a good friend to them in those stages. Another example is uh, my friends have helped me to understand what it means to love brothers who may struggle with same-sex attraction. Right, so there's godly brothers out here that may struggle with that and as they're pursuing friendship, I'm just coming along saying, like, I want to learn what it means to have a good friendship with you in that context. Or, uh, you know, help me to understand or appreciate brothers who may be more on the introverted side. Um, and that helped me to actually, I learned a lot from our, my introverted friends here that I need to slow down at times and contemplate and actually think deeply on some of the topics I need to really think think about. And another ways that my friends have helped me to learn what it means to be a good friend as we went through different life stages of life, right? As I went from being married to having kids. As you know, as a, you go through stages of life transition, it's very difficult. Your dynamics of friendship, your existing friendship changes, right? And so they helped me to navigate like, hey, here's how, here's how we're going to go through n- different rhythm, right? In order for us to continue to pursue, right, and cultivate friendship. And also, they helped me to learn what it means to be a good friend as they moved away from a, to a different place. Right? We live in a solid city this, that's a very transient city. Right? Some of you may have friends that have come here, uh, you've developed a really good friendship, and then perhaps some of the friends have moved away. And then that was the case for me too, as I developed um, three years of a really good friendship with, with one of my dear friends, and he has moved away, but yet we are trying to still learn, like understanding that he's not going to be in the intersection of the concentric circle of friendship, but what it means for me to stay in touch with him and continue to cultivate that um, friendship here. And we're going to talk more about this topic later on as we talk about the marks of the biblical friendship and how to cultivate them. So again, for some of you, you may need to reevaluate where you place friendship in your life. Okay? And here's a second watch out in your notes here. Okay? So the first, first watch out is the low view of friendship. And then second watch out is messianic expectation or I call it divine expectations. So this is on the other side of the spectrum where this is where I struggle, right? And so because I go all in. If I'm, like, committing to certain certain things, my personality tends to go, I'm all in, 110%, right? And so this is where you know friendship is important, and then maybe perhaps God has given you a few friends in your life and you treasure them, but you treasure them way too much above the place of Christ where he should be in your life. Right? And so you're putting this divine expectations on your friends where they will not be able to withstand that pressure and then the expectations that you have on them. They will crush and crumble under that weight. Right? So Henry Nguyen, he's a Dutch Catholic priest, also a seminary professor of the psychology and spiritual theology. I think it's really helpful. Right. He said about this uh, messianic expectation. He said, among my, among my many friends, one had been able to touch me in a way that I had never been touched before. Our friendship encouraged me to allow myself to be loved and cared for, for with greater trust and confidence. It was a totally new experience for me, and it brought immense joy and peace. It seemed as if the door of my interior life had been opened, a door that had remained locked during my youth and most of my adult life. But this deeply satisfying friendship became became the road to my anguish, because soon I discovered that the enormous space that had been opened for me could not be filled by the one who had opened it. I became became possessive, needy, and dependent, and when the friendship finally had to be interrupted, I fell apart. I felt abandoned, rejected, and betrayed. How many of you guys been here in this place where you put this much of expectation and you were just, just disappointed, right? I definitely, certainly have been there, right? And he continues, No friend or lover, no husband or wife, no community will be able to put to rest our deepest cravings for unity and wholeness. Did you catch that? This is not just this, like, your friend. This is, like, also your spouse. Like, your spouse cannot withstand this pressure and the weight, right? Or even children, if you you have that kind of expectations on, on your children. And he says, and by burdening others with those divine expectations of which we ourselves are only partially aware, we might inhibit the expression of, this is the key word here, free friendship and invoke instead feelings of inadequacy and weakness. It is sad to see how people suffer from loneliness, often deepened by lack of affection in their family, friends, or a new lover, or a new community with the messianic expectations. So again, if we expect anyone other than Christ to bear this divine messianic expectation, and then expect them to be our savior, to meet our greatest need and satisfy our, th- our deepest longings, then we are on the road to be, uh, we're bound to be disappointed, 100%. Right? They just, they just can't carry that weight. And uh, the very friendship that you treasure, want to pursue, and have as a life-giving friendship will be choked and suffered and it will be killed. Okay? But take heart though, right? Because I, I don't want this to be all depressing here, but take heart because the Francis Schaefer. Uh, American theologian and philosopher, uh, philosopher, summed up the same problem and actually pointed us to the right direction. Right? This is what he said about this issue. He says, We are finite, and therefore we do not expect to find final sufficiency in any human relationship, including marriage. The final sufficiency is to be found only in a relationship with God. And If a man tries to find everything in a man, woman, or a friend-friend relationship, he destroys the very thing he wants and destroys the ones he loves so you guys catch that here but as christians we do not have to do that our sufficiency of relationship is that in that which god made it to be in the infinite personal god on the basis of the work of christ and communications and love right so I, I think that's true right and so luke will be actually covering um, more about this topic in coming weeks on the topic of greatest friend, okay? So some of you maybe struggle with forging and maintaining some friendship in your life because you have elevated your friends and treasuring your friends above Christ in your own life, right? And this this idea of shifting my expectations to, to, to Christ, like divine expectation on Christ, was a game changer for me personally, right? Because... Um, I feel like some of my friends were probably walking on some on eyes or on an eggshell, right? Because there are times where they can visibly see that I was very disappointed, right? Whether they're not following up or whether they're not reciprocating the relationship or... Have, you, have, have any of you guys been there, right? Like you're like, I feel like I'm doing everything. I feel like it's like a one-way street, right? I feel like I'm at a dead end, right? Like there, There's no, nothing coming back, right? So you're giving, giving, giving. And, and soon you realize like you're the only one that's like, actually really investing into it. It's very disappointing uh, to be in that place. But once I realized I can actually place my deepest longing and my deepest need to Christ, who can actually bear those expectations, I realized I actually can be free from that. So I don't have to look for those uh, uh, affirmation from other people. My affirmation was already been given from Christ. Then from a place of freeness, I can actually pursue friends even if they didn't reciprocate in my relationship with them. So I'm free to just love them. And if they don't reciprocate back, that's fine, right? Or sometimes God allows those relationships to flourish and be cultivated and spurs onto a a deep biblical friendship at that point. So may God help us to treasure Christ above all of our friends um, and uh, putting our friends into the proper place, okay? So in your note, now the third watch out is your selfishness. It's you, the it's danger is you, right? And so the reformer, uh, Martin Luther, noted that the sin, okay, our sinful nature, right, because of our forefather Adam, right, uh, curves us inward. Okay? So I like this imagery when he talked about inwardness. Now if you're focused like this, right, where is, where is your eyes like gazing at this point? it's yourself like you're only looking at yourself cuz you're inwardly curved in this process can you gaze upward to, to to God and Christ you really can't okay what about the others on this side right horizontally you just can't right so you're neglecting your vertical relationship you're also neglecting horizontal relationship at this point everything is just focused on you okay i mean take a take a look at genesis as an example right what was uh, adam's response after the fall right okay he was running and he was hiding under shame and guilt, right? And he was only focusing on himself. And here's, here's how I know this, right? Look, look at the, the, the pronouns that's used in here. It says, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. As soon as sin appeared, the pronoun we became I. So everything is focused on you, right? And the human history has never been the same since. So sin and selfishness have deeply corrupted our vertical relationship with God, like our friendship with him, and also our horizontal relationship with others, including the motivation to wanting to even pursue friendship, okay? So for example, if, you, if you're like me, when you meet someone, right, like potential candidate for your friends, right, these are some of the, things, uh, the questions that may be running through your mind, right? So some, some questions may be like, do they like me? Like, you know, will they like me? You know, will they actually uh, uh, accept me as a friend? Like, will they love me, right? Will they actually like, what will they give to me, right? Like this, like, transactional nature in friendship. It's not necessarily these questions are all inherently bad or evil. It's just that when you look at it, it's all centered around me. It's me, 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 me. There's no regard for other people. It's just you're looking for what, what can I get out of this relationship, Right? So what do we do with this problem of selfishness that prevents us from pursuing friendship, right? Good news is that God didn't leave us hanging in this helpless state of sinfulness or selfishness, right? That's, that's the gospel where this is the, where the gospel brings solution to this problem here. Um, Ed Welch, who wrote this book uh, Side by Side, this is how he uh, phrased it, and I thought it was really helpful and it like, helped me to remember this, right? He said, Jesus, right, has moved toward us. When we were actually enemies of him, and in fact, we didn't even like Jesus, or well, we actually hated Jesus, right? When we were alienated from him. It says, and he reconciled us to God. He actually moved towards us, right? And so that we can move towards others, okay? So Jesus stood in our place. He was condemned in our, for our sin. He paved the way to the Father. And then we were very far from God, yet Jesus initiated, right? Moved towards us and brought us near to God. So many of you know this, this truth right here that we're talking about, but I think it's always good for us to be reminded on a daily basis of the gospel. So through Jesus, he restores a vertical relationship, therefore we can actually have a healthy, restored, horizontal relationship with other people, moving away from our selfishness. So because Jesus has moved towards us, we can actually move toward other people. So remember that as, we, as you are in this state of self, inwardly focused state, remember that Jesus is restoring that posture so that you can actually look up and look around, right? And actually be the good friend so that you may have good friends. Jonathan Holmes, who wrote the, uh, the book called The Company We Keep, said about this idea. I think it's really helpful. He says that the one in whom the fullness of God dwells calls you and me friend. Just, just mind-boggling and baffling statement if you really think about it. The one who became flesh and dwelt among us Living a perfect life on our behalf calls you and me friends. Okay, just, just fill that weight. Like, he's calling us friends, right? Jesus, through his death on, on the cross, befriend us so we can now and go and be friends with others. Right? I believe this is what makes biblical friendship distinct and different. Right? Not only is Jesus at the center of the friendship, but he also gives us power to, to be in that relationship or friendship with other people. And even befriending other people as well. And I love this quote as well. Just continue with the Jonathan Holmes here. He says the um, friendship um, ceases to be primarily something we do, and instead it transforms into something we become as we follow Christ. So when we embody biblical friendship, we bear Jesus' image, his character, his priorities, and his glory. No longer will our friendship be situated merely around common stages of life, interests, but will instead become an embodied commitment to live out the image of God together in every area of life. So no longer your value system is just self-inwardly focused, but how Christ had priorities for it, we adopt his priority, right? No longer are you pursuing friendship for your own benefit, for your own glory. You actually pursue now friendship for others' benefit, for the well-being of others, for his glory, right? Your motivation changes from from a fundamental standpoint. Allard uh, Revol, um, he's an English um, uh, Cistercian monk, also said about this uh, in spiritual friendship. He says, so in friendship are joined honor and charm and truth and joy, sweetness and goodwill, affection and action, and all of these takes... Uh, beginnings from christ advanced through christ are perfected in christ notice what he said it's all beginning from him it's a gift from him and it's sustained by him for him for his glory so may god help us uh, to reflect jesus in our friendship as we become selfless and move towards others because he has moved towards us okay so where do we go from here Um, Because as we know, we're journeying through this path together, pursuing biblical friendship, right? Now we understand what biblical friendship is. We kind of understand what the dangers are. Like, where do we go from here as we continue to journey? I would encourage everyone to begin praying that God would bring friends into your own life. Okay, there's a divine sovereignty aspect of friendship, and then there's a human responsibility aspect of friendship. Okay, on the divine aspect, this is what C.S. Lewis said. I think this is super helpful for me. I think it's for us as well. And he says, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our birth, a few more miles between our houses, the choice of a one university instead of the another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. Okay? As, as, as a Christian, we don't believe in chances, that we know that it according, happens according to God's sovereign will. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, he said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And he can truly say the same thing to every group of Christian friends. He can say, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Okay? And friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in our finding each other out. It is an instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. I think it's a super helpful quote, right? It's like, yes, there's a, there's a human responsibility aspect we're wanting to pursue and cultivate it. But well, ultimately, in, in humble submission, we acknowledge and recognize that the friendship is a good gift from the Lord, from a good giver. Okay? And then as we receive these gifts, as God is entrusting these people, friends in our life, then we can actually cultivate and pursue them, right? And so we're going to be talking about what are the marks of biblical friendship in the coming weeks, right? Some of the specific practical ways that we can actually pursue others and cultivate them in the coming weeks here. And then uh, really, I wanted to um, uh, conclude with this thought. Some of you may be just see angst and yearning. Uh, for having good friends in your life. And I think that's good desire and it's a God-given desire. Or else we're not gonna pursue it, right? If we didn't have a desire for it. But know that you can have good friends by being good friends first, right? If you're just kind of waiting on the one and it's like, nobody's being good friends with me. You know, I'm kind of showing up here. Nobody's initiating conversation with me or pursuing me or showing any interest in me. Maybe perhaps God is tugging in your heart to say like, okay, that posture is very inwardly self-focused. With the gospel reminder, Maybe perhaps, because God has moved towards me, I can reflect the same image and move towards other people. How can I initiate friendship with these people? Maybe how can I cultivate, how can I love on these people, even with the expectation that they may not actually reciprocate with you, right? So let me pray for us. Uh, I think we're out of time here. But hopefully, as you continue to journey through this class here, uh, this may just stoke the fire to, like, how do we... Uh, properly reflect this image of Christ who has moved towards us so that we can move towards other people. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time that as we wrestle through this uh, challenging but yet precious topic of friendship. Lord, thank you for just uh, the gift of friendship that you have intended for us to uh, seek it, pursue it, and cultivate it, and also even experience it, Lord. We just pray that our heart posture uh, will be humble in, in, in a sense where we place you above all things and we place our friends in a proper place not in a low view place but in a proper place that you intended for us to view them and uh, seek after them lord and also lo- knowing that the friend friend friends are a gift from you as you are the good giver so maybe for some of us here that are just yearning for good friends in their life that you would provide good friends for them in a due good timely way and maybe perhaps some of us are struggling because we have put this unbearable messianic divine expectations on our friends. May we place our expectations on you that you may satisfy our deepest longing and our deepest need and then we can be free from that and actually uh, able to go and freely love other people that you have placed in our lives. So Lord help us with our selfishness that may we look up to you in our self inwardly curved state to looking up to you gaze upon you and also able to see others Um, not missing others that you have placed in our lives. And pray all this in your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.